Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome, OT entrepreneurs, to the OT's Get Paid podcast, season two, episode 26. As most of you know, this season, we are focusing on sales and marketing. And today, we are discussing websites. Mostly, do you need a website to get paid? Watch me duke it out with my guest. So, Before we jump into today's episode, I just want to give you an update about our podcast, which is booming. Booming in growth, which means more downloads, which typically means more listeners. Thank you so much to everybody that's out there listening to this and sharing it with their friends. Every month, we continue to almost double our traffic, which is bonkers. And when I am spending time in social media land, or I make a comment, or I'm following up with somebody, or I, you know, want to give them a link to a free episode for whatever question they're posing that I think would be helpful, so many people that are already saying like, oh my gosh, I already listen. Lately, anybody that's booked a call to explore how they can help grow their business and possibly explore that through coaching has said to me, oh my gosh, I'm a huge podcast listener. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I encourage you to please continue to share it because people are just finding so much value. If you know the Ascension model, this is my free offering. And I fully commit to this every week and to make sure that we are sharing amazing quality and amazing content that's free for everybody. If you remember the episode I did with Sarah Putt a few episodes ago, we talked about that we still don't have anybody in Portugal. And we still don't have anybody in Portugal. So I am putting out a listener challenge. I think we need to find a listener in Portugal. Let's do it. Let's see how we can mobilize this as a community. (laughs) Okay, this episode has been a while in the making. 
I have known this OT entrepreneur for a few years now, right when she was starting out, and she became an integral part right off the bat of all things OT Entrepreneur Summit in line and then in person. And I've watched her grow her business from an idea to a pretty great gig. We have many wonderful OT copywriters in our space, and I have used almost all of them, I think, and recommend them all. I'm thinking about Courtney Smith. I'm thinking about Krista Fram. I'm thinking about Lisa Westhorp. And today's copywriter has worked on one of my biggest projects for marketing and ops in 2021, and that was my website and my primary lead magnet, which is our OT's Get Paid Quiz. Please go to the website, take the quiz, trishwilliamsconsulting.ca, and that will link in the show notes as well. So you can see the beautiful, beautiful work that was done. What I often see in the OT entrepreneur community is people saying, I'm not going to pay someone like a copywriter when I can do it myself. I went to grad school. I know how to write. Or I'm not going to pay someone when it doesn't make me any money. What's the return on the investment for that person? Again, I'm a really good writer. People say, why do I need someone else? And sometimes they'll even say, there's lots of ways to write a sales page. There's lots of ways to learn how to write a sales page or an email with a real call to action. I'm going to learn on my own. And admittedly, I was one of those people for a while. That's why I love doing this episode, because we are breaking down some mistakes that we've all made and showing you the value or a better way. So as an OT entrepreneur coach, I cannot underscore the importance of branding. And branding is beyond logos and beyond colors. Branding is literally you and your business. This is who you are. It's your voice. It's your message. It's your values and your mission and why you do what you do. Again, go to my website. You're going to see all of this is there. It's not just a landing page for my offers. It is completely 100% who is Trish Williams Consulting, what does OTs get paid about, what is the brand. Now, I know if you're like most OT entrepreneurs, you have a flurry of ideas in your head and you are trying to make them make sense to your ideal customer. How many of you still get a little bit stuck on what an OT does and that messaging? I remember years ago going to the Star Center with Lucy Jane Miller. And one of the first things she said to us was, what does an OT do? And I would say these were very sophisticated OTs who had been in business for a long time as clinicians. And half of us were like, uh, uh. now add to that, who is your client that is your ideal client? What is the problem that you solve? And how do you solve that problem? And now you've got even more ideas swirling in your head and words to sort out. Copywriters help you do that. They have value. They have true value in terms of return on investment. Not only are they going to help you get these ideas and words out and sort them into something comprehensive and, you know, use less words than me (laughs) because I use all the words. Copywriters help you increase your sales and copywriters help you increase your leads and copywriters help you increase your traffic. And these are the fundamentals of marketing and sales. That is the return on the investment. So come listen to this episode. We're going to listen to this grounded, this bright, this dedicated to her craft Midwesterner. Learn about our collab from 2021 and when we start to duke it out on when you need a website to get paid 
and we're going to learn today from Ms. Jenny Gill. Welcome, Jenny Gill. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here, Jenny. Thank you so much. So as I said in my intro, you and I have known each other for quite a while, and I have seen you grow and just expand into this role, and we have worked together, and I feel like this podcast is a long time coming for you and I to finally be here. That's true. I didn't really think about it, but I think our journeys have kind of overlapped in really fun ways. Yep. Exactly. So we've had you in the OT Entrepreneur Summit. You know, you've been interviewed there, and yet we've never done the OTs Get Paid podcast together. So let's jump right in. And why don't you tell the people how you get paid? Meaning, tell us about you and exactly what you do. Yeah, I am a copywriter, which means that I write words to build relationships and to sell products and services. Right now, I'm specializing in websites and kind of the pieces related to websites and also a VIP offer that streamlines and clarifies a brand message. So in both of those, it's all about working with clients to really confidently communicate what they do and why it's valuable. I love it. I can't wait to talk about your offers in a minute because I've watched you like grow those as well. So tell me about that fist on the table moment, Jenny. People love this part of the episode where, because everybody has that like, oh, there's got to be a better way. What was it for you? Yeah. I gave some thought to this question and I realized I had to go back farther than when I started my business. The fist on the the table moment was when I was sitting in a clinic at a hand therapy table and I was thinking about, this was the evening, I worked outpatient. We had to work evenings and afternoons and that was hard as a mom. I remember thinking, oh my God, I cannot sign my kids up for swimming lessons because I live in Michigan and we are of lakes and pools and all this outdoor stuff. And I knew swimming lessons was like this skill I wanted my kids to have, but it's something you need to commit to. You're not just sign up for three days and your kids swim. And my schedule made swimming lessons impossible (laughs) to figure out. And it was just this moment of, I can't create a life in alignment with my values as a mom and what I want for my family. And through kind of that, it was like, I need to figure out something different. And that was the only thing that led me to think beyond my clinical role and say, okay, what else can I do? What skills do I have? You know, what is out there? And that's when I discovered copywriting. And that was like a magical moment, like Disney, you know, song in the background, like really? love at first sight. Like, I can't believe this. Uh, yes, uh, yes. Exactly. And so it wasn't a decision then. It was before then. Because once I found the answer, it was so much easier. But learning to copyright, there was like a time between when I decided and I could, you know, do a business I had to learn. And so when I was reflecting, because you you hit these moments when you're like, I don't know if I should do this. And that's when you go back to your why always, right? Mm -hmm. And I kept coming back to, I want a different schedule. I want to, you know, do swimming lessons. And so that was my fist on the table moment that I can like finally clarify. I flip and love that. It's so clear. It's like swimming lessons. You know what I would love you to do? I'd love you to like print out a photo of your kids in one of those beautiful Michigan lakes on a summer's day and put that above your desk as like a reminder for when things get tough and also a reminder of how far 
you've come. My origin story and so many similarities with so many people out there was about my kids as well. And I remember, you know, my bestie Kelly Casey and I would call her and I'd be sobbing on whatever day it was. And I'm like, why do I do this again? She's like, because you needed a parent teacher. You needed a a permission slip to go to your kid's science fair and you're a single mom. And I was like, right, right. And I can hear it in your gut. Like, it's not just, it's not fluff. It's like the deep-seated, I'm going to change my life from this. Totally. Yeah. So I was, I was so glad to discover that. And yeah, I signed my kids up for the summer swimming lessons this summer, like victory. (laughs) And boy, and you know what, if one of them don't turn out to be an Olympic swimmer, you're going to like, no. At this point, we're just hoping to get them out of the life jacket. So that's it. Exactly. They're still pretty little. (laughs) And so what was it about? I want to go down this rabbit hole for a few minutes. Like what was it about copywriting? Were you always a beautiful writer? Were you always a wordsmith? Like, tell me a bit more about when you found it was copywriting and that was the magic. I think I never really thought of myself as a writer, but I loved it all along. Like Mm. in grad school, you give me a project and I mean, copywriting is more than writing. You give me a project and just like diving in and figuring out all the pieces and organizing it and putting it together. I just love that. And the idea of really focusing on something and going deep on it, that has always been my like love, my my Mm -hmm. zone of genius. Mm -hmm. And so I realized I'd left parts of that behind to work in a clinic, which is busy and you're writing really fast and you got, you know, five distractions at the same time. That just seemed to wear me down in a way. You know, it's just not how my brain works. And so when I could find copywriting and this idea of communication and organizing focused attention, it was life changing. Oh, this is how my brain works. I'm so glad. Well, I remember the first time I saw you on social media was right when Laura and I were just building the OT Entrepreneur Summit and I reached out to you. But I remember just being smacked over the head. I was like, dang this is great, right? Like an OT niching down to that level. And I remember just being really impressed and kind of surprised in a good way. Like it's not what I'm doing. It's not so obvious. Like, hey, if you've run a clinic forever and you've grown, you know, six-figure business, why don't you teach other people to do it? Like it's it's another example of diving into, like you said, your zone of genius or a skill set that you love and coming up with another way to create a company. And in this case, you know, your core audience are OTs. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's been fun. And like I said, it was that magic and I was right. You know, there was this moment of, ah, I was right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. My partner says that all the time, by the way. My aha moment was on the dock. I've talked about this a lot at my cottage, right on a lake, by the way. And I just remember putting my notebook down. I was like scribbling, scribbling, and you know, away from the clinic, like I wasn't working. Although I love my CEO time in the summer. I love my CEO time away. I was reading books and just jotting ideas down in my notebook. And I remember putting my notebook down and looking at him and saying, this is going to work. And it came from like this soul. I was like, like almost like a Marvel origin story. Like, oh my gosh. And he says that he probably refers to that once every couple months. He's like, remember you said it's, we actually thought of calling the company on the dock. Like changing it, my LLC. And I may one day because it was like, 
it's going to happen. So you and I have had that very similar magical experience and nobody could have talked me out of it. Yeah. I mean, that's really powerful. And I think people don't recognize when you do something really different, people really give you funny looks. And Mm -hmm. I talk about at first, the only words I had for it was, I'm going to write blogs for people and they're worth a lot of money. Yep. And people are like, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. I've researched it extensively at this point because I'm right. a researcher and it's going to work. And, I'm like, no. and now people come back to me two years later and you did it. I can't believe you did it. And it's, oh my gosh, we could do a whole podcast on this. But what I'm hearing from you is, and I'm wondering if others out there because I know some people make these decisions with their head because I sure talk to a lot of people that are interested in starting or growing a business and there's a lot more people that are coming to me now that are interested in starting and it really I mean you're a researcher but what I'm hearing is it it was more of this alignment between head and gut and once it hit your gut you knew there was no turning back yeah I think that definitely was the case although there was a lot of waking up in the middle of the night in a cold oh, sweat yeah. like of course yeah, yeah. we're not pretending that <laughs> no, it was like no no, 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 no. no. Like, I completely crazy yeah. I might be I have very little validation at this point but I just believe 100 percent. and I remember meeting you at that space mm-hmm. and I just think oh I'm so excited okay so you were talking about your offers let's dig into the numbers people love hearing these tell me about the income you know your gross revenue your profit margins that you've had last year and where you want to be going and then we can also by the way terrible interviewer by the way I'm literally throwing like 17 questions at you <laughs> clearly I'm no Bob Costas but and then talk about like what are the products that you offer that make that money yeah so if I looked at last year I just finished up finalized my taxes. Yep. I took home close to... Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley? As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, Amazing. I know exactly how to get my clients started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. 50K. Mm-hmm. And well, that was gross. And then I took home about half of that. So I would Amazing. be about 25, just over that K as far as my take-home pay. Um, not working full-time. I, I average between eh, 25 to 35 hours of the week, depending on school schedules and things like that. But I think when I look back on the numbers, what's truly impressive is from the beginning, I read The Slight Edge, which is a book about growth. And he talks about compounding interest. And so from the very beginning, I said, I just want to keep doubling. So starting at literally zero, you know, you make $400 a month and the next you make 800 and that I've been consistently able to double each year. So I was up 50% from my first year to my second. So I'm in my third year now. And my goal is to again, double this year with that idea of compounding interest kind of continually. And that has been my 
the idea in my head from the very beginning to start from zero and to double, just continue to double and then see where that goes. And so as you're talking about the doubling, you're not doubling the amount of hours you're working every year, are you? No, I did go up last year a number of hours from the first year because my kids went to school. So I had a kindergartner and the schools opened. So I did double or not double, but went up in the hours last year as well. But I'm still under 40 hours a week. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Tell people how old your children are because I think that's, you said what grades, but like, let's hammer it home. You have young kids. Yeah. So I have an eight-year-old now, he's a little boy, and then a six-year-old little girl. When I started, they were, oh, five and two and a half, three. And my daughter gave up her nap. Like, the week I opened, I was like, no, those are my work hours. So really, there's been a growth in my business as I've had more hours. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. I also want to point out that lots and lots of people, whether they are in the start phase or particularly we've been discussing this in the 100K club, is sure, I can make $100,000 a year, but I'm also working (laughs) 80 hours a week. And, you know, we can talk a little bit more about this, but it's how to grow and not have to work extra hours. Mm-hmm. And that's that time for money piece that is so hard when we are therapists and we're used to billing hourly. And we've been taught that way since day one, even in school. Yeah. So like my biggest ongoing challenge is to continue to crack kind of that code of how to make the same amount of money, but not work. Yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit about how you've been doing that. Yeah. So that was out of that question birth kind of my VIP offer of how do I repackage what I do with clients in a very clear cut package. So out of that streamlined version of the VIP, where we just go through a process to clarify a message, but there are part like the onboarding pre-work, I just send them and they do it, but they get so much clarity. And then you have your call and then you have your follow-up call and it's just, you know, a jam-packed valuable offer, but it's not all the hours, I would say. So that's been the big push for me to like package that, do the work to get some of that time back. And has it been successful? It is. I'm super pumped about it. I've been working on it for a while and kind of beta testing it. And now I like know the transformation is there. I see the time savings and I'm just very excited about the potential within that offer. Yeah, I am too. And I think, you know, one of the things is you were just talking to me about it casually over the last while while you were building it was also, it's not only a profitable way for you to work, it's also cutting out a lot of the scope creep. That's like a Jordan Gill word who does done in a day that, you know, Jenny and I have both used for our independent VIP days. And It's that like back and forth of email this and look at this and, oh, I forgot this and it's due tomorrow. Oh, it's due tonight, right? And are you, so I know the value from your perspective, are clients enjoying that intensification too and that like one and done walking away? I think so. Most of my clients, not most, but some of my clients haven't worked with a copywriter before and just the very clear expectations Mm -hmm. is very powerful. They know what to do. I provided the resources they need if they, you know, 
it, it includes video, so they can watch the video if they have a question with me like expanding on it. But if they didn't need that, they wouldn't watch the videos. But I think after you've worked for a while, you kind of start to anticipate the problem and just to put it all together and they can scoot through and do their thing has been really powerful. And I think you see the same problems and a VIP is a great way to like solve a problem that keeps coming up in a a very streamlined fashion. Like, okay, this is the answer. We're going to do the thing and you're going to get the results is really amazing to see in action. I'm so glad. I'm so glad it's working for you. And thanks for sharing one way of being able to increase your gross revenue and your take home and, you know, not have to work another 20, like don't double your hours is what we're saying. Yes. So you and I had a chance to work together. So not only have you been interviewed for OT Entrepreneur Summit and we've, you know, spent some time together at the OT Entrepreneur Summit Live, you and I have also worked together on two really cool elements. One was the lead magnet that I created, which is our OT's Get Paid quiz. And the second was my website. And one of the impetuses for us, impeti, impetus, the impetus, yeah, I think there's only one impetus, the impetus for us to, you know, come together on this recording was that you sent me a cool email at the end of 2021. Do you want to tell the audience what was what was in it? Yeah, I think, well, I was, every time you talk about your feedback loop of when you first begin, which I was in that first stage of like, you deliver product, you do that. And then it's, you gather the testimonial. And I'd never gathered the testimonial from you for our project. So that was the reason. But I had said, thank you for our project. You know, in my end of year reflection, so I reflected on 2021, your project stood out as just this moment of growth for me, both in going through your materials and reflecting on them and what that meant to me personally. And then just as a writer, like really being able to challenge my writing abilities and working with different ideas. And you have a very unique style on your website and capturing that. And so, yeah, taking the time to thank you for being that piece of growth in my business in 2021. Well, you're welcome. And let's talk a bit more about this because you know I have a public stance and anybody that comes to me like, you know, in the basic, I just had a new client who started working with me last week and she told me what she thought her process was. And she's like, well, clearly I have to get my website up. I'm like, you don't even have a client yet. You are seeing people in person. No, like we're not going to go to that website. You and I can have a spirited debate about this, but, and we can continue. But for me, I didn't want to, I was making money without a website. I made six figures without a website. And so when it came time to come to you to build the website, why don't you talk about that difference between like somebody that's in the kind of starty phase versus like, why was this? I know the timing of it was different for the average business owner. What else, according to you, made it different? First off, I think there's a really unique play in copywriting between writing and speaking. So you came with a pile of messaging, basically. So your podcast, you had just come out of working in the Rachel Rogers program, and you had done a lot of work on your message there, your mission, and your framework. 
So you came with all of these pieces and ideas at different levels of development, but just this being handed as a copyrighted list pile of ideas that then I had to put words to was super powerful because I can't come up with a message for a business owner. Like if you start talking about roles in your framework, that's not my role. It's to clarify and to put words to it, but I need those original ideas. And you came with those and you also came with the time to work on the project, get back to me and a way to bring it to life. Like you had a designer who I said, you know, this is a really great idea. Can you make it happen? You know, visually. And it was like, yeah, no, we can do that. And it was lovely. Um, (laughs) So I think those pieces of being more advanced really work well for a website because websites are a bringing together of a lot of different pieces, whether that's your lead magnet, your process, your message, your website's the hub. And so you have to have at least some of those pieces in place for the whole puzzle to start to come together. And we can't be inventing those all, all the time on a website. Yeah. And, you know, the call to action for this episode is go look at Jenny's work. You know, go to trishwilliamsconsulting.ca and you're going to see how beautifully the website, it's a sophisticated website. It's not sophisticated in its consumption. It's just got a lot packed in there. And it really, the why to start the project, and I want to talk about the whys that people typically come to you, but my why was finally, I wanted a hub finally. I had enough lead pages and I had enough, you know, hosting of the podcast on Libsyn and I had enough, you know, intake forms on Google Docs. Like it was working, but it needed a hub. And additionally, why not start to get some of that SEO? As an OT entrepreneur coach, I don't think it might be changing a little bit, but I don't think a lot of people were at that point of going like OT entrepreneur coach in Google. Like it just doesn't happen that way, right? Like they're going to hear a podcast first, but it was finally a coming together and then putting in. So that was really my why, which was a hub for this. And then with that deep work on exactly the messaging, exactly the offers, exactly the mission, et cetera, and tying together the beautiful lead magnet, the beautiful quiz that you have done. So that was really my why. And I don't feel that I needed that any earlier. When I had my bricks and mortar, we did, well, I knew a lot less back then than I know now. I probably waited. Yeah, you know what? We probably were a clinic for a year. Maybe instead of, because I did this business for about two and a half years before I hired you and got the website. I think it was about a year before I got the website for Spring OT. That made a lot more sense to me from a Google My Business perspective, right? Like we we climbed SEOs really, really quickly, as well as tying it in with Google My Business. So we were one of the top places when you typed in occupational therapy kids or kids, whatever. That made a lot of sense to me. Whereas the why for this website was really different because I didn't think we needed the search right away. So that is in transparency why I chose to finally pull a website together. I don't think that is typical. I think there's people that are coming to you earlier. So why don't you speak to that 
person, that person who's out there that's like, okay, I've got a website. Like, we're not talking to the, like, 100K club at this point because most of those people have a website. We're talking to, you know, the people in the start phase or the early growth phase that kind of rode to 100K. Tell me what that's like when somebody approaches you and what your job is at that point. Yeah, and I think this is where doing your framework, (laughs) I, I, like, lived in that thing for probably a week. Um, Help me clarify, like, when you write a website for somebody newer in business, you just need to set different goals. And mm. that's where I clarified my messaging in my own business after working on this. It's setting the expectation of we're getting your idea out there. We are putting the basics out. We're going to identify your goal for this website because a lot of times your first website is simpler. So you need to simplify the goal that you want to achieve with it and just get clear on that and try to nail you know, one or two maybe three key goals on your website and say that's that's good for now to get you out into the world. And then really working on that brand message, clarifying that. And that's kind of, you know, again, where my VIP came out of because I said, you know what they really need? (laughs) They really need this brand message. And then they could take those words to build it up from there. Um, So I suspect you and I have a difference of opinion. You actually are pro having a website pretty early on. Is that correct? Okay, go for it. Take your soapbox. <laughs> go nuts. So I believe in a digital world, it does make sense to have a website and it's about how much you invest in it and how you see it. You could see an early website as a first draft and it's, you know, getting SEO going because it takes time. So you built something that's going to grow in momentum over time. I think you have to clarify if it makes sense in your customer journey. So if you know your customers are going to be Googling you, then maybe you would prioritize it a little bit earlier. Or if you know that's how you're going to direct people to you. So if you say, I want to use it as a referral magnet, then you would prioritize it a little bit earlier. But maybe you're looking at writing it yourself and using, you know, purchase a template that you can just fill in the blank, get it going. Don't worry about it so much besides it exists and I'm going to start to use it. I'm going to clarify my offer. I'm going to learn copywriting by doing this. It's going to force me to. So some of those early goals are much smaller, but I'm not thinking you invest a whole lot of money Mm -hmm. originally. Mm -hmm. And then the other piece I would like to see OTs do is putting it in their strategic plan as a milestone of growth. I think I see OTs who wait too long to upgrade as they grow and scale to a more professional website that's going to truly reflect the expertise that they offer. I'll get behind you on that one. That's a place that you and I can definitely agree. I think, you know, where I come from is I think right out of the gate as the OTs get paid person, I want people to get paid. Like, I don't want you to go into debt. And I don't... I don't want you to spend that time. Like what I want when I, if you're going to come and work with me right off the bat, I'm going to say like let's get you 5 clients or let's get you, you know, 5 sales a month or whatever it is so that you can start out with some kind of quick win and some kind of revenue stream. What I see is almost a website being a big rock. Like if you're earlier in the stage, I don't see people saying and then I get to build a website. Like, I don't see that at all. In fact, I'm, I often see people like just slump over and they're like, yeah, now, I mean, I have, I don't even know where to start on that website thing. 
And I don't want them to spend time with Wix or templates or, you know, even learning basic copywriting. So I think we are close together. I'm, I would just, my goal is to get people some money in the door. And I did it both ways. Like, I guess that might just be the Trish way, right? Like both times I was able to grow businesses and not have websites, right? So I think I do love the messaging and we agree with first iteration, second iteration, third iteration, right? Have you heard from people? I push back on people when they come and work with me often in the starting phase is like they feel that they need a website in order to get a customer. And I don't feel that that's true, at least for the first handful of customers. Do you agree or disagree? I totally agree. And I think there's like the early start phase where you're literally just barely beginning. And yeah, those first referrals, I agree. You don't need a website at all for those. And it's probably better to use some of your quicker action marketing resources before doing your website because you're going to learn so much from even your first three clients, which could make your website a much bigger success. So I think relationship-based marketing is fantastic. And I think it's just that client journey, right? Like you were able to do that because you had a clear client journey of how you're going to get your leads. You really had a home for them in your sales pages. So you had a complete customer journey. And maybe that's the key for people. If they can lay out the simplest customer journey ever, and that does not have to include a website at all. And I think, yeah, you're going to learn your message. You're going to clarify your offer and then you won't be changing your website after one month. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Tell me a bit more. Like, I I think there's people that are listening that are following along pretty well and then they're not sure what you mean by customer journey. Can you expand on that? Totally. I think You need to have a way that you're going to move people from just getting to know you, that's like your lead, all the way until making a decision. And there's going to be steps along the way. So maybe they hear about you on social media, and then your next step is something, whether that is a website, whether that is a freebie, email list. It can really be anything as long as you're moving them along. And then maybe the final step is the purchase. And how are they going to get the information on that, whether that's a sales call or a sales page with a button. But all of marketing, I think you have to think about where are people coming from and where are they going? And how do I get them to the final final step, which is giving me money? And so really thinking that through. And there are a hundred versions of a customer journey from very simple, like a referral source, and they just call you or super long when you think digital launches, which have a million touch points. And so it's whatever it needs to accomplish your goal. And if your first goal is I need to get three customers, your client journey can match that goal of, okay, what is the easiest way to get three customers? How do people, I hear this question a lot. They say, okay, that sounds great, but I don't know my customer journey until I get customers. It's almost like, a chicken and egg thing. Can you talk more about that? I think you just sit down and map it out. And nobody's going to like go through every step perfectly, but say, okay, they'll they'll meet me on social media. 
Then I want to do a call. Then I'll send a follow-up email and that's it. So it doesn't have to be complicated. It's just thinking like your customer and what steps do they need to get to that final outcome. And sometimes it's super short and that's fine. It's just knowing that, like, where are they coming from? Where are they going? How do I get them to the right decision? Even if the decision is not you, we want them to make the right decision for them. So I feel that what I see is underpaid therapists with a business, people that are in the start phase. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go look at Jenny's quiz that she helped us write on trishwilliamsconsulting.ca backslash quiz to find out where you are in your phase of business and what you need to do next to get to the next phase, is that people almost like, there is a lot of analysis paralysis that I'm seeing people coming in. I think the advantage that so many of us had before all of this knowledge in a way, it's almost like people now know too much and then they freeze. Whereas I was just like, I don't know, I guess I'll just do this. I don't know, I guess I'll just do this. Like, I didn't read any books until I really had to. And I just, you know, I had no idea what I was doing, which I think there's a lot of freedom to. And so there's two places that I don't want people to get wrapped up in. I don't want people to get wrapped up in the website. And so I'm like, I thought we were going to duke it out. We didn't. Uh, We like came to an agreement. And then the other is that customer journey. And I'll tell you what my answer is. And I want to hear what your answer is for those people is like, you got to try something. So let's be strategic about it. Let's like take the best principles in marketing and the best guess of our customer, what they'll do, how they'll get you, how they'll access you, because you can only, you got to start somewhere before you can pivot. Tell me if you agree or disagree or how you would approach that person that's like, well, how, I don't even know where my customer would start. I so forget it. How would you help get them out of that analysis paralysis or freeze? Yes, I agree. There's a lot of analysis paralysis, especially in marketing. So I work with my clients on, okay, where are your people? Where do we already know they're hanging out? What is something that you could do to reach them there? And just breaking it down into steps. Okay, what is the easiest thing to try? What feels easy? What do you like to do? Um, Are you a great presenter? Then present away, like find those community referral sources love online what is it that matches and I think there's all of marketing I think you have to really think of it like a grand experiment and you just pick something you run it you see what works and then you tweak the wording you tweak the order you add you subtract and so just by thinking of it like an experiment that's the expectation it really changes it So even as a copywriter, like I can write the best thing I've ever written, but the expectation is we're going to get more data. We're going to learn more of what they want and we're going to change it. And there is no perfect version. There is, you get to the rinse and repeat, like we've really narrowed down, but at the beginning, it is just all an experiment and (laughs) you'll figure out what works and doesn't, but you have to pick something to begin. Yeah, I love that you said data-driven, and I 100% agree with experimentation. I was so afraid to fail with both businesses, like terrified. I've said this often, but what I did was I created a top five fail list for the month that I forced myself to fill out, and now I don't even think about it. Like, I've probably failed five times this morning, and it's like 11, right? (laughs) 
And I don't care. Like, I really don't care. I'm not attached to that because I just know that so much of business is an experiment. So that kind of keeps me loose. And then it's also, we need some data. Like, it is data-driven decision-making. And I find that people often ask themselves the wrong question. Like, as you're becoming more sophisticated in your marketing, don't assume that, like, oh, my gosh, I see this all the time. Now I'm going to get on a soapbox. Well, that, you know, um, sale didn't work because of the price. No, you don't know that. Like, there's so much more that you could know. It could be the time you sent out the email. Maybe people don't like to buy from email. Maybe they want to have a call with you. Maybe your message wasn't clear, right? Maybe the offer, regardless of the price, didn't solve their problem. Like, and that all seems when you're in the start phase, that underpaid therapist with a business phase, a total mess. But it gets clearer. <laughs> That's part of my job, actually, is to help people realize, like, nope, it's okay. We'll try this and then this and then this. But that starting somewhere to get some data, there's – I don't know who said it. I think Stephen Covey said it, but I've heard James Wedmore say it. Like, the quality of your life is determined by the questions you ask. And that is 100% true in business. So people will come to me and they'll be like, well, I need to change my messaging because people aren't buying. Well, we don't know that to be true yet. We don't know if it's messaging. We don't know. So Jenny and I are both saying to those that are, you know, wanting, looking at a website and looking at this customer journey piece, use strategy and start because then you'll be in that cycle of, of feedback. Okay, fabulous. So what I want to do is I want to ask you a question about you being the CEO as a solopreneur because, you know, that's a big part of what we do here at OTs Get Paid is talk about being less in your business and working more on your business. And like, you are your business, right? Like you are in your business. So I'd like to talk about that before we go into like our rapid fire questions at the end. So what has helped you? Like, how do you truly find the time if you are the delivery person and the only biller, right? It's your hours, it's your talent that makes the money. How do you get yourself into the CEO place, change that and put on your CEO hat to then grow your business? That's a good question. It's a big challenge. I'll say that. Everything seems to muddle together at times. What's been most helpful is carving out time. So a lot of times I, I keep Fridays as more of an admin CEO day as much as possible. And a big part for me was giving myself permission to say this is a valuable thing to be doing right now. So it's not always working on the copy for others, but realizing, oh, right now I need to work on the messaging for my own business. And I like my brain wants to do this. This is valuable enough to say yes to, if that makes any sense. But to carve out that time and say, okay, this is valuable enough to work on. I'm not going to just add in another project because I'm going to make more money, but I'm going to work on stuff, my own business. And then routines, I think setting up routines for my own financials and own admin time, really just carving that into the schedule versus hoping it happens. Yeah. I found when I hoped it happened, many things did not happen. Totally. I actually just heard somebody in the 100K Club say that, that they love Friday admin time because it feels like Thursday night's a bit of a treat. Like they can go a little slow with their coffee and they're still doing really great work. It's just, ah, it feels like less service delivery 
and more like, I get to like live in my visionary space. I get to like make some cool plans. How do you justify the CEO time as valuable in terms of money? Like, how do you protect that time because you know that there's a return on your investment that time that actually shows up as dollars down the road? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) You're just, somebody told you it was a good use of your time (laughs) being the CEO and you figured it out. Do you have an example? Like, I'm trying to think. I think the biggest example for me is just carving out time to get clear on my own values and like I said, my own message. At one point I had a week where I was very busy, but I also really want to do that. And I had to pick, I'm going to work on what I believe as a business owner. And that has helped me so much in my own marketing to say, okay, I have to bring in leads for my own business, not just for clients. And how do I do that strategically to build my own business? So I think the long-term impact is leads right? And income. And so if I don't do marketing myself, I've seen that drop. Oh, hello, that's a problem when reviewing my metrics for the month and getting that feedback and go, okay, that didn't work out. (laughs) So that's probably how I figured it out. It's like looking at the numbers and said, oh, I didn't market and I don't have any clarity calls also means I have no business for this next month. So people that are in that like road to 100K phase, just to chunk it out and to expand upon what Jenny said, if you think about buckets of time as a CEO, like where you need to be spending your time to run a healthy business, it's financial, right? And you you clearly have some system in place because you were able to quote us your numbers, you're able to see what your financial growth has been over the years, you can... You have a system of tracking that and you spend time in the finances, which is great. I didn't for a really long time. Like, I had really no idea what we were making, like, even a couple years into Spring OT. So, you guys have heard the story where I, like, fired my accountant, hired a new one, got a cool bookkeeper, and then took myself to boot camp, financial boot camp, which I paid for. I paid a lot for that. But the return on the investment was huge. So, financial and marketing, right? And that basic fulfillment piece. And so what I'm hearing you say, Jenny, is that you feel like the most comfortable place for you is spending time on marketing. And that's a great place to be as you're growing. As you get bigger, like in the 100Ks and as as you're scaling, so when you're like a feast and famine business owner and growth or a money to spare CEO, the buckets get bigger. It's finances, it's marketing, it's fulfillment, and it's operations. And I still think that people in that phase of the game are still like, oh, shoot, I know I need to work on these things and put on my CEO hat for those buckets. But I'm always curious when people begin to realize that does have a direct, you know, how is working on operations of a $200,000 business going to equal more money in my pocket? And it's a bit of a leap of faith again. So that's where that question comes from. So again, you are like, I I see the direct ROI on marketing at your stage of the game. And I'm glad because I totally agree. I think that's exactly where to spend that time. Okay, so I just wanted to chunk that out for people as, as it was in my head. So let's go to rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is your biggest personal splurge other than swimming lessons? Well, close, but this is an area that I struggle. I am not a splurger. I am like the typical thrifty OT who thinks 
going to Goodwill as a splurge. But I do splurge on premium colored pencils and coloring books. I see it like I want the nice pencils. I have a favorite brand and I see it as like my self-care. It's my creative outlet away from writing or computer screens. So I have that. And family vacations is definitely our Okay, so we need the brand of those pencils because I know people are wanting to know. Oh, they're Prismacolor. Okay, great. And where was the last family holiday? Well, we're planning our next, our biggest splurge family holiday coming up is to Florida in two weeks. <gasps> in two weeks? Yeah. For that days. is so exciting. Okay, great. Well, I love that answer. And I haven't had anybody answer colored pencils before, so I love it. How about business-related splurges? I think it's been coaching, probably. It's been, as I grew and started with very little profit, the percentage that I spent on coaching was pretty high compared to what I was taking home. But I always, again, saw that return on investment to build it out. I think my most like exciting one as I recently bought the coaching package, I think this past fall for the VIP and, you know, got to pick this copywriter's mind, got some of her templates. It it totally changed what I did. So definitely a very solid business splurge. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm a coach and consultant. That's like music to my ears, but I, I feel exactly the same way. It's easy for me to charge people for coaching because A, I hear stories like yours all the time, and B, I experience that story myself. The return on the investment in terms of time and in terms of fast-tracking to more profit, I think every single investment I've ever made in coaching has paid off even before the end of the program, really. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to see. Where do you have paid and unpaid health in your life and business, Jenny Gill? Good question. So I have very little paid help in my business. I have an editor who I keep on retainer, so I get a certain number of words that she edits a month that has really helped me so that's my like only outsourcing besides just contractors for different projects my unpaid help is I have a dad who's a CPA so saved a ton on financial advice dad (laughs) that's great yes and then I have a copywriting bestie so we are really with parallel journeys we've done a ton of editing and feedback and really have helped each other on this journey, and she's not in my niche. She's in the home design niche. And it's been really cool because we can learn from each other without any sort of dealing of ideas. We share ideas freely because we don't have any of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's unpaid help that I'm super thankful for. Oh, I love that. Well, you know, I've built a business on the back of one-on-one coaching, and that's obviously not scalable. So my first foray into group coaching was the 100K Club, and it also really did solve that problem. Like I felt over the years of doing one-on-one, I was not providing the best service for my clients, even though it was super responsive and intensive because they didn't have a chance to have other biz besties and people. It's like so crazy valuable. Okay, last question. If I could wave my magic money wand and put seven figures into your business right now, Jenny, what would you spend it on? Oh, man, I feel like I could do so much with six figures at where I'm at right now. So I would buy my time to like a week at a resort. And then I would probably buy some VIP days during that week and just like knock out some gigantic goals, like maybe a 
website designer or something like that, or a Dubsado genius, and just like knock it out and come back and be like, I fixed all the problems. <laughs> well, circle back to when I was going to call my company on the dock. Like, that's literally what I do with part of my summer is I go away somewhere and try to tackle these giant projects. I can feel that in my soul. Like that is exactly how I would spend my money too. So you're talking again to give people chunks because I really want to educate people to these business, you know, buckets. That's operations. And mm-hmm. also like a, a marketing piece for you. Oh, so good. Where would you go? Do you have an idea? I don't know. I just want somewhere with really good Wi-Fi and nice weather. I, I really don't <laughs> care beyond that. Maybe like quiet. Um, yeah. So okay. I, I don't care about the location. I care about the time and yeah. really knocking stuff out and having the brain space to do that, I think. Mm, beautiful. Well, we all have, you know, our greatest asset and some our greatest or currency and some our greatest currency is money. And what I'm hearing there for you is it's also time that that the money buys you the time so that's yeah. your greatest currency oh that's fantastic okay so you know we want to we've talked about your different offers jenny i really want to give you a formal opportunity for you to tell people you know before we wrap up where they can find you and what you have going on that may interest the ot entrepreneur listening population yeah so you can head to my website that's jennygillcopywriting.com there I have my offers. Like I said, I'm focusing right now on website, website audits, and the brand message VIP. Other than that, I'm most active on Instagram at Gill underscore OT. That's where I share the most copywriting tips or just whatever pops into my brain at any given time. So those are the best ways to reach out. Thank you so much. Well, thank you again. I had a completely delightful time working with you. I love your niche. I love your work. And you're just also just such a lovely person to be around. So thank you so much for being here and for, you know, really elevating the OT entrepreneur space for everybody that's out there. Well, thank you. I just love how we all can give and take. I've learned so much from all of your content. And so... I think we're all growing together, which is Yeah, really cool. it's a generous community. Thanks, Jenny. You're welcome. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.